This is the third episode of the Ask Dad Labs podcast, recorded March 18th, 2021. It's simple. You ask questions, dads answer. And when we need actual answers, well, we find the experts. So our panel tonight is made up of longtime friends. We've got Clay, who's one of the founders of Dad Labs. He's in Austin, Texas, and he has one in high school, one in college, and one out sailing the oceans. We've got Nick. Nick is in Louisville and has two kids who are 6 and 13. And I'm Ben. I live south of Detroit on an island in the Detroit River. And my kids are 11 and soon to be 13. We'll have a fancier introduction in one of the episodes coming up sometime. Uh, Hang on for the show. You know, I keep looking at these at these uh, electric cars, and I just found out Tesla won't let you pay cash anymore. You have to charge it. I saw that one coming. I saw that one coming. Is the purpose of the jokes to make each week's joke more disappointing than the week before? We're headed uh, that way. We'll see next week. We'll see you next week. I think I've already got it here. Too. Uh, yeah. We're doing well. So. Oh, wait. No. Let's <laughs> do a two for one. On I, I really like this one, so maybe you guys will like this one, too. Oh, we're going to do for Okay. What's, so, do you know what the highest rank in the Popcorn Army is? Colonel? Oh, he didn't give me a huh. chance. Saw that I one coming. <laughs> that joke Colonel. actually caused me uh, physical pain. <laughs> okay, like, my liver look, like did a, like, a, a little... Um... You're... Liver did a little whistle pig. Yeah, just just a quick, like twitchy, painful thing. Like, and I think it was on your behalf, Ben. Thank Um, you, thank you. I I I live to serve. Shut up, liver. You're fine. That's right. That's right. It'll grow back. That's that's scientifically true. Well, to some extent. So, hey, we've made it to the middle of March. We've made it through uh, all the holidays. Detroit Day, you guys aren't aware of Detroit Day. 313, that's the area code for Detroit. So Saturday was a, was a holiday. Uh, my wife even got me a present. Sunday was a holiday with Pi Day, right? And then uh, we had the Ides yep. of March on the 15th, so that was Monday. And then Tuesday, I don't know what the, the holiday was, but, but then we had St. Patrick's Day on Wednesday, so... It was like a big week of holidays for us here. You guys, did I you didn't celebrate? drink on Wednesday, so I'm I'm drinking now. I did not drink on Wednesday. I'm drinking now. So. <laughs> I would say that it was a it was a rich holiday season that may have passed us slightly by. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure that we really dove into those uh, to those celebrations in a in a in a deep way. I made three uh, pies on Sunday, and we had pizza. So. <laughs> Of course you did. Of course you did. Children love you. That's right. (laughs) And my my wife too. She likes pie. That's yeah. Hey, so my kids are returning. Well, my kids have been back to full school in person since the beginning of the school year with a a lapse in there. But kids are returning back to school for in person all across the country right now. Our whole district is going back. High school started already, and next week all the elementary schools and the middle school are going back full time, starting on Monday. And then they'll be closed for spring break. 
so, you know, if we ignore the pandemic things, which I think everybody's worried about and kids getting sick, what things are you worried about your kids going back to school face to face with all the kids that isn't the disease? Well, it's the uh, all of the other sicknesses that they normally bring home. My kids haven't been in school for a year and they haven't been sick for a year. No belly aches, no fevers, nothing. Uh, so that's been kind of nice. So I'm a little worried about that. But the six-year-old started yesterday. She went to her first full day in kindergarten. And so it was a oh, big day. Yeah. She had a blast. She had an absolute blast. Did you do the picture? Uh, they check their temperature the... before they leave and everything. Did you do a picture I with did, the I did. I did. And oh, you know what? Um, I will check later to see if we can't get that on here. And you can edit it in. But... The 13-year-old starts April 5th, I think, and they are doing a two-day uh, a hybrid thing where they go, go Monday and Tuesday, and then Wednesday, nobody goes in. Everybody is virtual, and then Thursday, Friday, like the other half of the kids go. I haven't heard yet how they're doing the teachers for the middle, middle school, for the older one. Our kindergarten teacher, instead of splitting it by first and last names, like the district is kind of doing kindergartners. They said, we're going to keep all of the kindergartners in one class and they're going to come Monday and Tuesday. And then all of the kindergartners for the other class are going to come on Wednesday or Thursday and Friday because they've already had a, a teacher switch this year and they didn't want to do another bunch of switches. There was like four of them for my daughter's class that did go to all virtual. So they, they will go to a new teacher just because they've, assigned a different teacher for virtual. So I'm really glad that she is not have the teacher is not having to do virtual and in person at the same time. Right. I don't know yet if that's how the middle school is going to do it. I it kind of seems that they're trying to avoid that. That if it's a if you are a virtual only student, you have a set of teachers or a teacher and if you are an in-person teacher, you have the same teachers in person and on your virtual days. I, I hope that is what they're doing. So, but as far as what I'm worried about, it's a great change. The teachers have been vaccinated. So that's not an issue for their safety as much. Um, there's still that concern. But really the biggest thing is just them bringing home other germs. But hopefully with all the COVID stuff, all those precautions, they won't bring home those colds and flus and things that we've been dealing with every other year. But you, Clay? Man, I I think so much about kids like yours that that have, you know, been out of school for a year. And there's there's lots of districts that, that are still managing, you know, planning on bringing kids back. And uh, especially kids that haven't, that don't have the resources at home that maybe our kids have. There, right. There's so many kids that have gone through sort of a learning and personal loss. And I've, you know, I've, I've listened to these reports and, read, and, it, and it really does break my heart. And, you know, right here in Privilege Central, I mean, my kid, the one that I still have at home at the school where I live, uh, we began a hybrid learning model back in October because the school was able to implement a basically a community-wide surveillance testing program. They found a lab that set up a tent in front of the dining hall, and I've been getting a stick shoved up my nose twice a week 
since October. Like I've had more stuff up my nose since I was in college. And, you know, this is (laughs) kind of crazy how often, you know, that's been going on, but that, you know, having that in place so they can do contact tracing and manage the population has allowed the kids to come back onto campus for a long time. And they started with a hybrid model um, where the kids were, you know, 50% of the kids were on campus. They noticed that not that many kids were really taking advantage of the opportunity. So they were able to say, hey, everybody can, anybody can come onto campus any day that they want to. And if the classroom allows it, you can go into the classroom if social distancing is possible. So it was like this hybrid hybrid, like you could come to school and and you had a lot of kids that were coming to school for the social aspect, sitting in common areas and doing virtual classroom, like from the common area, like right zooming outside into the, the classroom. classroom that was like right over there. Yeah. But you could yeah. go, you could be on the waiting list. You could go sit outside the class. So the half of the class that was allowed to go in would file in. And if there's extra seats, then you can go in. And this made all the, dis- yeah. I mean, for my son, this stuff, this in-person stuff is crucial. And so, you know, the hybrid thing, you know, I've talked about it before. Like I had to wake him up every, every period. Like I had to keep his schedule on my calendar and I would have to go because he would do, yeah. you know, he'd wake up and turn the computer on here and be like, hi, I'm yeah. in virtual class. And then it would be done and he would go back to sleep and he would sleep through like an 11 o'clock class. Anyway, yes. so we've been extremely fortunate. And now what's interesting to me is, you know, how it's playing out with, with parents deciding yes or no and what's right for them. And there's all kinds of strategies and calculations about whether in-person is right for them. So for us, it's pretty good. We all, I've also got a daughter in college and my daughter is, you know, in a privileged community where they're, they're doing tons of great surveillance, surveillance testing. Their communications have been amazing. And she has returned to in-person classes, sports practice, which is what is the most important thing to her. She works at a coffee shop and, and she is doing her job. They're still not, uh, they're, they're, the dining facility is still only available for grab and go. They're not sitting down. You're not allowed to visit anybody else's dorm room. So there's a lot about college life that's still extremely disrupted. These kids are, are making the best of it. And, and I'm, I'm super happy about the experience that she's having. Is that getting better? Are they going to loosen that up? Well, the state that she's in is being very successful in terms of the immunizations. And uh-huh. I would suspect that before the end of this, her term, they may be able to immunize the students and that would, I think, change things. But, uh, you know, my guess is that the balance of the year will be somehow compromised for her. The big concern for me, and this is just our household, is we're just a sports household. And so if if my son is allowed to return to competition and they've been playing lacrosse and this is his whole life. But if they have one kid, one kid tests positive, the whole team is shut down for two weeks. You can't imagine what that means to a kid who is the captain of the lacrosse team and suddenly they're not playing games for two weeks. That's his whole thing, you know? So the yeah. stakes are very high. So and then the kid still, that, that shuts down the team, oof, the kid that oof. shuts down the team is, is gotta be like, I, I'm sorry, guys. That, I know. That's gotta be devastating. It's gotta be super hard. So, you know, and, and we've seen it, you know, there was a sports team that, you know, one player tested positive and they, 
they missed a you know big chunk of their season. You know, I'm sure the same is true for my daughter. That for me represents the, the vulnerability of, you know, still that something could come along and happen and interfere with that, um, which is a super important part of their experience. So that's that's kind of you know what's going on for us and what I'm nervous about. Yeah, and this this weekend we're gonna we might see some of that come into play with the NCAA tournament that starts right now as we're talking. First first playing games are are done and uh, so Michigan exciting. State and uh, UCLA are playing here pretty soon. And it's, I know you, you guys know are big fans. One of the things that's interesting to me about sports in this era is that, and I know Nick is like, oh, the ball games, but that. Part of what makes you a really successful team right now is how how well do you abide by the restrictions? Do you have the discipline not to get infected? And that's actually a major factor. And I think that's a legitimate factor. Like if you have a team that's committed enough to follow the rules and another team doesn't have that discipline and they get knocked out, that seems fair. Like, I think that, I don't know, maybe that's not exactly how, but to me, that's an okay part of this. And the teams that are really disciplined and committed and to each other, maybe they, they do a better job. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to well, get more practice time. I mean, if, if, cause they get shut down, they don't get to do anything. So depending on how much they go and practice by themselves, but as an individual player, but yeah, as a team playing together is is absolutely in the, essential. In the tournament, you're just you out. Follow those you're just rules. out. Yeah. Right, Ben? You're just out. Oh, absolutely. Like if you, absolutely. Yeah. You have yeah. one kid test positive. Done this is the first team. year. This is the first year that I haven't had any. Well, I guess the second year that because of my position in printing, I was always well aware of what was going on in the tournament, depending on how far the Cardinals went because I was, and that's not the ball the, state Cardinals. Um, no, <laughs> it's the basketball, the ones, that um, but as far as they went as far, you know, <laughs> there may have been a couple of years that we were like really busy with other things that we were just like, come on, somebody knock them out this year so that we can get move on <laughs> from these damn press packets. And shit. we, we may have rooted against them a few times. <laughs> I won't say we, me and a couple other people, maybe maybe two or three other people. Everybody else was like, yeah, go cards. Uh, yeah, I don't care. But it was, hey, it was a job and it was money in the bank. It was easy money. But anyway, yeah, those who follow the rules are going to get more play time and they're going to play better than those who don't. UML is kind of known for not following certain rules of <laughs> society, <laughs> let alone yeah. the NCAA. But anyway, we will go there because I don't care. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sorry. So, so for me, you know, one of the things, one of the things that was interesting was early on the first first phase of the shutdown. Uh, my my fifth grader now, you know, he's in fourth grade last year. He had a big group of friends, and one of his friends they lived in a nice big 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 house, and they would have a dozen of their friends over for sleepovers at the beginning of the COVID thing. Um, and we were like a month into it. So, so this must've been like late April, early May. Mm-hmm. And it didn't seem like such a big deal. We had really low numbers on the Island. Everybody felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. It was kids, you know, kids weren't spreading it as far as we know. And so the kids would go over and, and have a sleepover and all this. And that happened through early summer 
And then sometime, I think after that spike, after, after, uh, the 4th of July, that stopped happening and they, they, everything was confined to the online forum. So they were mostly a discord group and they've got discord channels, all sorts of these things. And I got to talk into to my fifth grader just a couple weeks ago. And it's so, so, you know, things are opening up. Do you think you're going to end up going back to the house and you think you're going to have those big parties again? He said, I'm not, I'm not really friends with them anymore hmm. because the hmm. discords, these kids have, have had fights over completely, you know, all, all his friends, all that big group of kids, they all went fully virtual. And so they've all been doing online school and with their parents, but that means they've been on discord all through the day, you know, all night and they've gotten into fights. And so mm. they've segmented into like three different clicks where it was this huge, yeah. huge group. And so he's back at school. I mean, he's been at, been at school this whole time, but his main group of friends, they're not, they don't exist anymore. They're, you know, there was a birthday party yeah. and he went and he was friend, he's friends with the kid that it was the birthday party, but that isn't, that kid wasn't one of the, the main, he wasn't one of the, one of those groups. It was his brother. <laughs> and so, you know, my, my fifth grader is friends with, kids that are the same age as my older son in seventh grade. So Ben, do you think that these were sort of fault lines in the friend group that would have emerged anyway? Or do you really feel like if this came out because of the way they were communicating because of, you know, this new virtual, you know, that's, that's hard to figure out because this is all being done online. So I don't, I don't see it. You know, we don't, if it was a Microsoft, you know, if they were doing it through Microsoft uh, Messenger or they were doing it through Facebook kids, we'd see, we'd be able to see what's going on. But because it's on Discord or it's on text, you know, with the seventh grader, we don't, we don't have a way to see that without really interfering and, and doing a lot of work to get in there. And it's full of memes. I mean, they, they communicate in memes. And so... I don't have a sense, you know, I didn't know it happened, but if, if I had taken him to, to the house, it sounds like some sort of party house, but if I, <laughs> if I'd taken him there and then brought him home, we'd have talked, you know, Oh, did you have a good time? And right. he'd, he'd have said, Oh no, there were some fights. Right. Um, or maybe he would have called and said, Hey, come get me. I'm ready to go home early. That stuff doesn't happen because this is all happening on Discord. But the the thing, the reason it's I happening the is that you know the friend groups like at that age, yeah, they do shift. Like there is like clicks right. that form and reform, and and yeah. and you know the, the the big group breaks up, and you know smaller groups form, and and then you know you move from middle, you know, from elementary school to middle school to high school. And then there's all those kind of transitions that happen. The, yeah. the interesting question is what you were just getting at, which is, you know, do you have less visibility because of the way this is happening? And I think the, the other interesting question when it comes to, to like friendship groups and, and eventually like girlfriends and boyfriends and all that stuff that is probably right around the corner for you, Oh yeah, which is, you know, just how much, you decide you want to be part of that conversation. Like, and like you said, it's good to listen and know, 
Right. But I, you know, these are all these are all big choices that are that are coming right up for you. Yeah, and and the the thing is that these kids are going to start coming back together, and so you've got these kids yeah. that that were were real tight. I mean, they were really tight. I think uh, he was down there, you know, every other weekend. And there were huge, huge parties going on down there. And, you know, we're talking about fourth graders. So it's not like they were they were playing video games and, and stuff the whole time. They weren't but, drinking and weeding. <laughs> maybe. We the, uh, the <laughs> but But, you know, it was like. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm curious what's going to happen when they all find themselves in the same school building again, you know, out at recess. Interesting. You know, they've they've been dealing with each other. The as... other thing is, on on Discord, it could happen. You know, continually. Right. There's not a an event that everybody is here and everything that happens, everybody knows about. On Discord, it could be. Just a couple of guys talking, making fun of the other guy, and then the other guy doesn't even know. Or at at a party, you know, sleepover, whatever. It might be more in fun and more in yo poke poke poke, you know, poke 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 back. Yeah. Where online you don't get that nuance of face to face interaction. Sure. And so, and it's continual. It could go on for days, as opposed to just that one event, that one night. Yeah. Uh, so, so you don't get that. Hey, that was hurtful. Oh man, I'm sorry. I was kidding. You don't. You don't get that immediate interaction right. from someone, and you don't know what's going on on Discord when you're not on there. Yeah. So, so w- the one it, thing that makes there, me feel that, good it about definitely this, has something to do. What makes me feel good about the situation that my kid is in is that when when those groups segmented, he he told me that he didn't join any of them because they were being mean to each other. And so he just removed himself from Mm -hmm. that. And he ended up choosing different friends that ended up being friends of my other son. And so he transitioned to kids that are more, uh, well, a little bit more mature. I mean, they're still middle school kids. So what can you Mm -hmm. say? But, but he (laughs) chose to align himself differently. And so I, I appreciate that he did that. And that he didn't make a big deal about it. He he's not hurt. But when all yeah. those kids come back to school, there'll be a new realignment of things that you wouldn't normally get that that way. You'd get it at the beginning of the school year instead of in stages yeah. as kids return to in school. Well let's let's hope that when kids come back that there is a sense of positive, you know, that there's a wave of kind of I don't know, positive energy yeah. of kids being so glad to be back that some of that, you right. know, will get swept out, you know, just in a way, just like we would all feel, right? When we're all able to get yeah. back together, I think that a lot of the hard feelings or, I don't know, the difficulties that we've been through, some of that may get muted in just the joy of being back. And so that's what I hope for for your kids. Yeah, well, I'm glad to be back yeah, with you kid- guys. So, <laughs> just like that, I-, I was about to say this right here is helping me be less feral as I start to transition back into the workforce and start looking for a job that I'm like I know how to talk to people, um, at least a little <laughs> bit. 
you know, the kids, I think the kids are more resilient and more like, oh, I don't care. You know, they'll, they'll move on past stuff like that rather than us as adults, you know, like I haven't had to speak to anyone about anything that I did not care about for a year, <laughs> you know, it, it has, it's been, you know, if I talked to somebody, it was somebody I wanted to talk to, you know, I think the kids will be okay. And I, and I really hope you're right, Clay. I think that's a, a good way that everybody will be like, Oh my God, I get to see somebody again. I get to hug somebody again. All right. So, so now we've got a question from, this actually comes from my cousin and she says that she needs some, some help with toddler communication. My daughter will not tell me when her diaper is full for either occurrence. I don't know how to get her to understand. I don't want to yell at her, but I'm so frustrated with needing to clean my couch. I ask her multiple times a day, and we've tried some potty training, but it's the worst. I think we've all run into that. A tough one. I mean, because obviously, you know what's so funny? You would think, you would think that a human being with a steaming load in their pants would have all the motivation in the world to communicate with the people that could remedy the situation. And yet... What what goes on in the mind of a toddler? Like, really, that turd pressing up against my butt is the most reassuring thing in my life right now. And I would hate to be deprived of its presence. It's like a warm friend. And I don't want it to go away. Like, what, what is going on in that brain? I don't know. But that is a, it is a problem. It's like... And I know that there's there have been designers out there. There, you know, there are engineers out there that are like designing diapers that will communicate wirelessly with your iWatch to let you know when your two-year-old drops a steamer in her pampers, so that you know to go change it. And if you're out there, hurry, we need it. This is important <laughs> You know, in terms yeah. of a solution for this problem, it's a tough one. I mean, because, you know, that age kid is just not programmed. Their brain is not in a place where they're developmentally putting together. This is something that I need to communicate to you. And so it's frustrating, but I think the important thing to remember is they're not there developmentally. They're, they're not in a place where they're like, I've got a problem. I need to tell mom and dad so they can fix that problem. They're just not even there yet. And uh, so I'm sad to say the best approach may still be the dreaded sniff test. And I don't know how many sniff tests you boys have done but i've done a lot <laughs> you've done them professionally you know i have to say yeah. there may not be there may not be a technological solution for this and sadly i'm not sure developmentally there's really a training solution there that really ultimately it's just gonna unfortunately be a vigilance and sometimes cleaning the sofa situation that's a terrible answer. I wish there was a better one, but no. that's kind of what I think it is. <laughs> okay. So first thing, it's temporary. So yeah, it's gonna it could take a couple more years, but it is temporary. 
it'll go away. And then it'll come back when you're like put 80. A, put a blanket on the couch. What did he just say? Did he say it'll come back when you're 80? Yeah. Are you? Are, really? I hope not. These are funny jokes not. unless you're the old guy. In the oh, room. yeah. Well. I'm getting close <laughs> to the Depends generation. So easy. I'll watch it. So put a blanket on the couch. Whenever she sits on the, she's gonna be on the couch. Just get a blanket that oh you don't care about. Wash it every day. <laughs> put a blanket on the couch. But I know that there are diapers for pee that something will whatever's on the front of them something will change color that will tell you that she's peed in the diaper. So yeah. keep an eye on get some of those and let her know. Hey, look, your diapers and make up rules. But they're not your rules. They're just the rule. I have to follow the rule. It's not my rule. The rule is when that's green, I have to I have to change your diaper. I'm sorry, that's the rule. That way it's not about you and her, you know, fighting each other and her breaking your rule. Neither one of you can break the rule. You have you have to help me because we can't break the rule. We'll get in trouble. And you'll get you you can get sick and it's 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 not clean. We gotta take care of it. And you're not the into team sports. Is, that, that's such a team sport move. <laughs> that's good. No, it's all it about, is, but it's all about it, getting on the same side of the, the child. Table. It's about yes. being on the same side of the exactly. table. That's Anytime exactly. Anytime you and your child are on the same it's side their of idea. the table, and the problem is over there, then you're winning, right? Exactly. Exactly. The other thing that you might try is a, a time frame. Every two hours, we're changing your diaper. Ding. Oh, all right. You got two hours. What can you do? You know, what can we play? What can you watch? What, you know, what can, what toys can we get out and put away or whatever, you know, whatever in the next half an hour, we got a half an hour before we have to change your diaper, whatever you can do to get the kids involved with the decision, with the process, the more you make it their idea, the more you say yes, rather than no, like, yes, you can have a cookie after dinner rather than no, you can't have a cookie. The more you can say yes and involve them in the situation, the better off you're gonna be. As far as potty training goes, if she's not showing interest in potty training, stop. Because that's just gonna be a battle the whole time. Yep. Now, what came to mind, and I, <laughs> I suggested this to her, was was uh, we had an It's Been uh, Pocket Nanny timer, right? And it had five yeah. different timers on it, I think. Clay, you remember that. Nice. Yeah. I do remember the it's been timer. <laughs> and so you can actually set yep. the value, how often you want to do that diaper check and you can just start it off again. And so it will tell you when to check. And I found that if, if you can, if you can check like every half hour, every 20 minutes, just to figure out when, cause all you have to do is do a diaper check. You don't have to change it if it's not ready. Yeah. But if you, if you do that yeah. check and you get in the habit of checking and then you move on, you know, expand that time and eventually you'll get it up to two hours. And then it's not so tricky because then you might be getting a little bit ahead of it. That's sort of my my thing. I just remember that my little one, my, uh, you know, my my fifth grader now, he was in preschool and we kept getting notes back from preschool emails like once a week. Now, if, you're, if your kids come into to school in pull-ups, we can't have that. We, they need to be in underwear. They can't, you know, they can't, we can't be doing ch- diaper changes at school. Thing was, is the whole time we were sending them in pull-ups because he was not potty trained. 
But we kept sending new pull-ups in, and they're like, why are you sending pull-ups in the bag? Because we, we have enough for him. He's not wearing pull-ups. Like, what are you talking about? We send him in a pull-up. Turned out that for months, he had not needed a change at school, and he was using the toilet. Nice. He was potty trained at school, and we had no indication that he was not, that, that he had even started at home. Goal. <laughs> Thank you, school. <laughs> well, but they that didn't. Could not they didn't realize. They didn't realize yeah. that he wasn't at home, and so they. So he kind thought, of potty trained himself. He did public. that little. Yeah. <laughs> that little. Sh- um. But so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he. Uh, so. So you know. I don't think you can. You can predict how how the potty training journey is going to unfold. Kids are amazing, and they do stuff to us that screw with us for the rest of our lives. So they're going to need therapy. So is Dad. Sorry. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we just got our stimmies. We got stimulus. Stimulus payments came through. I'm sure you guys have heard about the expanded child credit that's coming. So kids are going to be worth some money here, at least for a year. Maybe that'll expand. For a lot of people, it's very necessary. It's going to help them get kids out of poverty. That's the goal, right? We're hoping to get maybe every American child out of poverty once and for all. But for those of us who are benefiting from this that have a little extra money, we're probably thinking about how to put that into our kids. So what would you say the best way to invest in your kids are. Now, what I was thinking is that we often spend our, like our, our bonus money, we'll spend all that. The auto industry pays out bonuses mid-March. So just last weekend, as a matter of fact, this was a big money week for us. But that bonus normally goes to pay for summer camps. It goes to pay for trips over the summer, things that enrich the kids, experiences and, and things like that. But if, you know, this, this influx of money is a new thing, how, what's a good way to, to do that? What's a good way to, to enrich your kids and, and uh, maybe set them up better? can't say that we have done that by, you know, consciously said, okay, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, and I say we, meaning me, because I am not the money man in my house. Uh, my wife is the accountant. She has the degree. She's in works in finance. So she handles all of that. I'm really good at spending it, but putting that money into the kids, we were taught as kids that, you know, when you have kids, you need to save money for them, save money for them, save for their college and everything. Uh, So we have a savings account for them. So we try to do that. One thing I learned from the old dad labs days, Clay, I think this is one of your things is like birthdays and things. We try to do experiences more than the big gifts. It hasn't worked out that way, but that's always my goal is to do some kind of experience. Even if it is a birthday party with the kids, yeah. you know, bring your friends over. And so that it's an experience that they remember this was this was my fifth birthday. This was my, you know, whatever. I would recommend trying to do more experiences than buying the things. My personal stimulus check has already been spent along with my wives (laughs) on something for me specifically for my side hustle. Thanks for bringing this up and adding to the anxiety of that. (laughs) Uh, 
<laughs> but as we have said here, we are we three have been in fairly privileged positions where the pandemic hasn't wreaked havoc on our finances as much, particularly as much as so many people. Our kids are not in poverty. Kids are not at risk. But it's really hard. You have to, to make decisions with what is good for your family as a whole and what is good for your child. So using their money is still, you know, if you're buying food with their money because you don't have a job, that's what it's for. It, it, it's for to, fa- to support the family. Um, you have a kid, that extra 250 or whatever it is, it, you kind of need that. We try to go and actually still go and get every once in a while the food that the schools give for their students. Every student in our district can go and get food every week, you know, because they're not in school. And they've said, you know, come and get it. It's it's food. It's it's not money that's going to waste. The food will go to waste before the money will. It, it's not something like if I go and get it, I'm keeping it from someone else. It is my food. It is the, the food that my kid would get in school at right. lunch or breakfast or whatever. So they, they are encouraging our entire community, go and get that food, even if you don't eat it, because we don't need it. We're okay. So we do go and do that every once in a while, just because it's like to walk down the street to go to the school <laughs> that, where they're delivering it. But yeah, it's, it's a tough call to what to do with that money. You have to think about all of those things. And, and I have to say that, uh, you know, it's embarrassing that I haven't done much thinking about it. I am sure my wife has. Because I know she she could tell you exactly how much money is in their savings account right now and our savings account and our bank account. She can do all of that. But as a dad, I'm more focused on duty shower. Let's get dressed. Let's get get to class. I'm I'm more of the occupational therapist that rather than finance. So now, Clay, you're you know you've got two, you've got one through college, one in college, and one about to go to college. So you've been through the whole college savings plan. Do you use those at all? We did. I mean, this is <laughs> this is probably a whole a whole episode. Oh, sure. You know, in and of itself. But but yes, we've had a I've had a lot of experience with the five twenty nine funds. I would say if you've got you know when anytime you've got a you know windfall, whether it's a stimulus check or for what I mean, you know, you kind of want to go through your checklist, right? You want to talk about your debt and getting that down and. You know, yeah, I forgot. Sure you... Just just north of here is where those those people that won that one billion dollar lottery. No kidding. They're they're like thirty miles away from me. Yeah. Well, four people. I, I hope the best for them because you know the the evidence indicates that that doesn't usually <laughs> end up well. But I hope that they uh, find success and, and happiness uh, with that money. You know. I think they're all lawyers, so. Well, you know, they might do <laughs> There are unhappy lawyers just as there are right. unhappy, you know, right. cement mixer drivers. But we'll see. I hope that that sudden wealth, you know, that the, you know, if you if you look at that historically, it's not the best way to get money. But anyway, you know, if you do get some money, like debt just makes us all crazy and is super inefficient and. And, and then, you know, once you do that, you're, you're, you're taking care of, you know, you start to think about the future and, and, you know, you also want to sometimes create experiences. And I believe in all that, you know, college is something that, you know, a lot of parents think about. And if you get a windfall, like, oh, should I take some of that and maybe um, put it away for a college education? 
the college right now, the college finance landscape is pretty crazy. And so I think it, it's, it's something that a lot of parents worry about with good reason. And a lot of them look to some of these instruments like 529s, which is basically a, a, a tax deferred instrument that you can invest money, it can grow. And then if you, as long as you take that money and you spend it on college tuition or related expenses, including books, computers, and rent, then you don't have to pay tax on the amount that that investment grew over time. Typically, these funds are run by states, but you don't have to live in that state in order to take advantage of it. And there are some, in some 529 funds, there, there are incremental benefits. If you buy into a state's program, you may lock in tuition and may have other benefits, but, but right. really it's a way to tax defer, uh, well, to, to grow savings um, without uh, having to pay taxes on, on that growth. So for a lot of families, one of the things that, and this was true of me when, when we were in our 30s, if the money wasn't somewhere where I couldn't get it, then that was good. Because so if I took the money and I put it in a college account and I couldn't get it right away, that meant, you know, that was good because we were kind of, you know, things were going up and down and, and putting it into a, a structured fund was super helpful. So for a lot of families, putting money away and not being able to get it is a good advantage. For that reason, sometimes 529 funds are good. In my experience, 529s are very much of a mixed bag. And for the most part, if I had to do it over again, I probably wouldn't use 529 funds. And here's why. 529 funds are not, in my experience, perform as well as some other taxable vehicles. For example, if you had just taken that money and put it in an S&P index fund, it would have performed much better, even with the tax consequence as opposed to the 529. So one question is performance. Have they really, you look at, have they really done very well? Right. Because those funds are structured in a way that they get, um, they start out aggressive when the kid is young and they get more and more conservative as your child gets closer to needing the money, which makes sense from an investment standpoint, but the performance right. has been you know, pretty so, low. So if you start when they're two, then that's probably pretty good. But if you start when they're 15, not so good. That's right. And even if you start when they're two, 529 funds is not where like the hot money managers are. You know, <laughs> the, the hottest money manager in Manhattan is not running the state of Maine's 529 fund. And that's where my, my money yeah. went, was the state of Maine 529 fund. So, you know, sorry, state of Maine, but that perf that fund just really, really underperformed in the 17 or 18 years that we were invested as opposed to anything else. I could have put it in treasuries. Window. Anyway, the other one is, and this is, this is kind of um, tricky, that uh, 529s can be structured in two ways, either where you create a fund that's to benefit your child. So that is you're investing money, but you have to designate your child to be the beneficiary. So you're, you're, you're creating a beneficiary account. And what that allows you to do is you put money in, in their name. Um, when it comes time for them to go to college, you can draw money. And the nice thing is with these funds, these FOB, that's what they call it, an FOB 529, you can actually change the beneficiary. So if one child 
doesn't need the money. You change the name. Well, when I set up the first account for my oldest child, it didn't get set up that way. It got set up as a custodial account, which meant the money is actually his mm. and it's no longer mine. I'm not, he's not the beneficiary. It's now his money. So that oldest child ended up going to a service academy that had zero tuition. So I went to say, okay, I'd like to change the beneficiary on this account. And they said, sorry, that's his money. He could gift that to another sibling, but that led to a really complicated tax situation. So now I've got a significant amount of money in a 529 in the name of my oldest child, who's now an adult and the government is going to pay for all his education. So now that money, even though it grew slowly, what happens to it? Eventually, if he goes to graduate school, right. it's, it's too big for him just to use it to pay, even if he paid rent. So we got a problem. So what's going to end up happening is he's going to end up paying tax and penalties and all that stuff if he ever tries to pull that factor. Or that becomes the core of the 529 for his children. It's, it's complicated. So, you know, that's a, that's a long winded explanation of that, that 529s are great for discipline and they're great for, you know, segmenting income that you won't touch, but its greatest strength is its greatest weakness. Now you don't have flexibility as a family to use that for any other reason. Sometimes they don't perform that well. Family circumstances and kids' decisions change in unpredictable ways. So I would just say, maybe create a, an investment account that you think of as being untouchable and try to create the, mm -hmm. the intellectual and emotional firewall and create a 529-like account that doesn't necessarily right. um, put you in all these restrictions. I have heard that the tuition lock-in is really good. Uh, depending on how how long it is that you, when you start it. A, a friend of mine that went with, her kid went to preschool with uh, my oldest, who's 13 now, had started that for her at the time, I think her eight or nine-year-old. And in that 10 years, you know, the tuition where they had, kind of decided to go and, and we're kind of planning on and everything where they or the kid ended going it was in school in-state tuition but they locked it in for an in-state school and it like doubled and but they were still paying if, so they if you, paid half I mean, of what I'll they tell you paid. That if you think when your kid is six that you really can predict where they're going to college and i mean that's and that actually have that happen I mean, th those people are one in a billion, like to say, well, okay, my kid is five I think it was, and he's going to go to state U when he's 18 and to get that kid to agree to do that. I, it, from the way I, if I, if I remember correctly, how she explained it, it was in state tuition. So yeah. she's locked in. That's right. So if they went the... to school at an, if for any of the in-state right. tuitions, any of the in-state right. um, public schools. But if they went out of school, they would just get that amount of money. Exactly. And pay you whatever. You still get the benefit of the 529. The, yeah. the money is still grown, 
tax-free as long as you use it for tuition. Double benefit is then if you if your state offers this lock-in program that you've you've secured the tuition, you know, of $2020 with the belief that in 2040, you know, the tuition is going to be much much higher, which of course we've seen is right. It is crazily true. The problem well, is getting the kids to agree to do that like right well but the other thing is is depending on how you how well you've made your kid aware of the financial institution that is life that you know all of these things that they get for free and never even think about how the milk gets into the fridge um that all of those things cost money like look if you go here if you go to anywhere in state then you will graduate with zero debt. If you go to Harvard, well, we can get you there, but you're yeah. going to have loans and you're going to have, you know, it's going to be tougher. Um, totally so that, that kind of comes into play too. And I don't know that I've done that either. <laughs> it, it, it's going to be very scary. My wife graduated with very, very little debt because her father's a disabled veteran and she went to Purdue and being an Indiana Hoosier disabled veteran, she got free tuition and then like a reduced rate on room and board. And so she graduated with, I think, less than $8,000 in student debt, right? Which is great. And so she has a hard time understanding those SoFi commercials where they talk about, you know, these kids <laughs> having $250,000 in, in debt. And so we did the research and, and, then, and then Clay, you were doing a, a campus tour here. And so we were looking up some of the schools, and it was outrageous that fifty-six thousand is a pretty reasonable amount of money, considering what schools they were. That some of these schools are just outrageous, and four years will get you if that's just tuition. So if you add room and board to that, you're going to get up into the you know you'll get up into the quarter million dollar range. Quarter million, really quick. And so those commercials aren't as as outlandish as it really seems. And they're all schools that you, you know, it, you talk about Kenyon, you talk about Oberlin, because, you know, I'm an Ohio kid, so so I know these schools, right? My school happens to be a bargain at 36000 a year, so I'm happy to say that. Capital University, everybody, go there. Go whatever the new mascot's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> we, I have to say, we did, we did do it. We did a college tour in, in central Ohio and we, we had a, we had a blast. We looked at some beautiful schools and it was a, it was a really great tour. I, I've, that's another whole podcast oh, to talk about what that adventure was. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we looked at, uh, at some really great schools in your neck of the woods and we were thinking about, I was thinking about you the whole time. And then we drove through Ohio State. That was incredible. Jeez. Oh, yeah. That was very different than, than the schools that my son is, is looking at and interested in. But um, They have a lacrosse team. They you probably have like 10 of them. But they yeah. Actually, they do have a lacrosse team. I think they good. have something like 16 different baseball teams. <laughs> um, because they there are some non-associated NCAA team. Um, there's a non-NCAA ba- baseball structure. And they place two teams in every tier of that. We, um, I feel like there is a whole sub-podcast that is just about college. Yeah. 529 application decisions worry stress for athletics sure. you know the whole picture that i've now been through 
two and a half times with my son, who's now a, a junior, two kids that I already got through, that I, you know, I would love to talk about. It. And I know that you guys are right now. That's a distant, distant kind of just anxiety that's kind of yeah. throbbing on the horizon. <laughs> like, how does that? How <laughs> that is? That's like a distant threat. But before you know it, it's here and. Uh, it's a big enough it's a big enough threat. I can see it from here. He's 13 <laughs> and I can still see it. It's only 4 or 5 years away. That's yeah. that's doesn't matter it it doesn't matter that it's that far in the distance. It's really big. It starts to really get you at about 16, at 17 it becomes acute. At 18, you're writing the check. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. so I think Clay you sort of hid the lead there though. You know, you saved all that money, but you ended up saving money, right? So going to a service academy is is a full ride, right? Service academy road is pretty unique, and that's that is a podcast within a podcast sure. within a podcast. Um, <laughs> what it's like for a kid to choose to go to a service academy, apply, get in, go through, and graduate. It is a it is an absolutely unique and remarkable experience. It was life changing for my son. It it changed the landscape of our college savings. You know, I think it was a very difficult but extremely meaningful experience for him. And now he is underway as an officer on a four hundred foot Coast Guard cutter somewhere in the eastern pacific and soon to return home i'm going to be traveling to meet his boat which is coming in i'm not allowed to say when because of national sure. security rules <laughs> and but he's uh, a beast he's healthy he's healthy he's smart he is immunized he is a leader in the best way and brings, you know, honor to his family and his country. <laughs> so, so that brings me around to the other I, part. That's is, awesome. And that's, it's a big risk. You know, not everybody can get into an academy. Not everybody can get the big scholarships to those universities. Not everybody can do that. But there are ways to invest in our kids now that are beyond the 529 plan. And it's things like tutors to make sure that they get the best education they can. It might be looking at different school options to get the best fit. It could also be uh, making sure we talked, I, I mentioned the camps. So investing so that they can go to camps. We're lucky that we're right next to what I consider to be the best museum in the world for kids. I happen to work at it too. But the, the summer camps there are phenomenal. Not many summer camps let you, you know, play in the building that Thomas Edison invented the light bulb in. So in investing in the kids in a way that makes them see the possibilities and really shine to be who they can be makes them more attractive as colleges go or as, you know, as, as academies or would as go. human beings, like you're just right. on it, like finding, Hey, have them lead an interesting <laughs> life. Like have your kids, encourage your kids to lead an interesting life, have a cool story to tell, you know, and, and that I may not be college. It may not, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah, college, it does not have life, to be whatever. Common. If you're leading an interesting life, if you've got an interesting story to tell, if you've had interesting experiences, you're going to be an interesting person. And colleges are interested in interesting people. 
And uh, so I think you're, you're, you're exactly right, Ben. Maybe you take that stimulus check and you're like, well, maybe the best thing to do is a summer experience for my kid. That's going to be really yep. enriching for them. You know, maybe that's a better investment, even than a 529. Maybe, you know, investing in our story as a family is the best thing to put that money against, you know, as long as, you know, there's no other like tragic needs out there. But uh, yeah, I think that's, I think in, in some ways as a parent, we'd all agree that really you're trying to lead them to look back and say, I've got a really interesting story. Let me tell you about that. And, you know, if, if they get there when they're 18 and they're ready to apply to college or they're ready to go out on their own or they're ready, then, you know, we've done a good job. Or they write that novel when they're 18 and they get all the money from a book deal. Great. (laughs) Take cash in the first house. As long as I'm not paying for them anymore. That's right. That's right. (laughs) But you'll buy their book. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it was great talking to you guys again today. Really appreciate it. This is like a highlight of my week. Mine too. Yeah, I'm. thank you for doing it a little later than normal than we normally do because I did not want to miss it again. (laughs) Appreciate that. As always, a big thanks to Nick Dawson and Clay Nichols and their awesome families for sharing them with us. Ask Dad Labs is produced and edited by me, Ben Fote, and Fote Media Productions. Like, follow, subscribe, and share across the entire social media landscape wherever you find Dad Labs. Talk to you next time. <laughs>